Good morning. It's good to see you today. It's always good to be here. Amen? Amen. You're going to fall off there, isn't it? Everybody asks me, are you going to fall off there one of these days? Probably. And when I do, if you laugh, remember, I know you. And I know where you live. I'm just kidding. Welcome, welcome today. If you're visiting with us, my name's Harley Davidson. I'm the, the guy that's privileged, actually, to be the minister of this congregation now for many, many years, and it's been a delight and a, a joy. A southerner was um, on a, a business trip to New York. He was going to be there for a month or so, and so he looked around for a church, found one. He said, this is one I'm going to go to on Sunday. So that Sunday, he gets up, he goes to church. The preacher gets up to preach, and the southerner, man, he's really into the message. He's really moved by the message, and he begins to say, amen, hallelujah, amen, brother, amen, amen. Well, the preacher there wasn't accustomed to that at his church. No one ever said amen, and so uh, he was a little flustered by that. Well, one of the deacons noticed that the minister was a little bit uneasy with that, so he just walks over to the southerner and simply said, shh, you need to be quiet. You need to be quiet. You're disturbing the minister. To which the southerner said, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I apologize. And uh, so anyway, a few minutes later, he gets caught up in the message again. He begins to say, amen, brother, amen, preach on, amen, amen. To which the deacon marched back over there and said, sir, I told you, you need to be quiet. You're disturbing the minister. To which the southerner simply said, I just can't contain myself. I, I, I got religion, which the deacon simply said, well, shut up anyway. You didn't get it here. <laughs> yeah, when, a uh, true story on this side, um, Don and I were asked, or I was asked to come and speak for a church, and Don went with me, and I remember getting up there, and I hadn't been there before, and it was a pretty good crowd of people, and I thought, well, I always try to test the waters, because I get a lot of energy from the audience. There's something about that, as speakers sometimes do, and some don't, <laughs> as in the story there. But nonetheless, um, through that process, one of the first things I asked the congregation, I just kind of need to set the stage, audience, I need to find out if this is an amen church. True story, isn't it? You can hear the crickets, you know what I'm saying? And I said, well, I got my work cut out for me. See what we can do. I've not been asked, and I go back, and I don't know that I will. But nonetheless, I am glad that we are an amen church. Give me a amen. Oh, my, you sound good today. It's good to be here, isn't it? <laughs> you lost me when you said hello. <laughs> um, you know, for the past, I think, seven or eight years now, I receive a text message every day. I think maybe only a few days have been missed by a lady that used to go to church here, but she now lives in another state, but she sends me this group text message. And you probably get those, and some of those you don't really like too much, and you kind of say, I don't really want to be a part of that. Well, this particular person sends me ones of encouragement every day. They're either from, directly from God's Word or their statements that she's read or listened to or some good preacher that uh, preached the good message that she's heard, and she'll put things in there for me to read or us to read. Sometimes they're real short, and sometimes I read them, and sometimes they read like a book, and I, I just don't, to tell you the truth. But sometimes I do, and a lot of the times I do, I should say. But in, nonetheless, in the 
creating of this particular message and working on it this past week, on that day, I get this, you know, ding on the phone and I look at it and this is the passage or this is the statements that she made in it. And it really set the tone for where I was going even with the message. It's amazing how God moves in His Spirit. We'll talk about that today as well. She wrote, The same Jesus who called Lazarus back from the grave is calling you to an abundant life. You may be lonely. He, he is with you always. You may be anxious. He cares for you. You may be tired, but he offers rest. You may be lost, but he is the way. You may be angry, but he, he is love. You may be broken, but he was wounded to heal you. You may be addicted, but he, he gives real freedom. You may be in darkness, but he is great light. You may be dying, but he is the resurrection. In Matthew 28, I am with you always. Isn't that good news? Amen? Amen. That he is with us no matter where we're at. Because in the midst of that reading today, it described you. Somewhere in the midst of that, you found yourself... It's the one that just spoke volumes to you. It just jumped off the page. And yet God says, I am with you through all of those things and the very thing that you're dealing with. Why? Why is a question that a lot of people have, not just non-Christians, but Christians have that as well. Christians that ask me oftentimes, they may not say it in the exact words, but they're asking, why is it that God seems so far away? Oh, you may be here today and you may say, no, no, he's not far away from me. I mean, my relationship with him is, is growing and it's wonderful and, and I feel his presence and I just know that he's there. When I listen to these songs, they just touch me and all of that. That may be true for you, my friend, but the person sitting right next to you may not feel that way. Why is it, we ask, or some would ask, why is it that I can't seem to get through to God? Why is it that it seems like there's a blank wall there for me? Oh, you might be saying, man, my prayer life has taken a brand new adventure. I mean, it's really taken off this past year. It is like light years before, before, than before, and now I'm just, it's just great. But to someone next to you, they might be feeling is, seems I can't get through. Our son, when he was just a little boy, used to, we had bunk beds so that if he had friends over, they would have a place to sleep. But he always loved to sleep on the top bunk. And when he, when he slept there, and I'd, I'd get up on the little ladder because I'm so short, I'm not Jeff, and, and I'd get up on the ladder and I'd have prayer with him. And you know what he said one time? He said, Dad, he says, why is it that sometimes when I pray, it seems like I'm only talking to the ceiling, which is only about this far away? Some of you might feel that way as well. Some of you might be asking why. Why is it that, it that I don't feel that I'm growing as a Christian, just growing spiritually? We've talked about that for a full year now as our growth, spiritual growth in Christ Jesus. And yet I'm doing the right things, I think. I'm trying to do what the, the, the preacher's talking about and, and reading the Scripture and having my prayer and having this meditation time, but it doesn't seem like I've grown spiritually. And yet others of you have grown, and I've seen it. And you've seen it, and others have seen it in you. I've received letters and cards from many of you in this room that have touched my heart that you have said simply as, thank you for bringing these messages to light, and it's helped me grow spiritually this year. That's good news. 
That may be something you're craving, but it's not something that you've received yet. You haven't, if you will, gotten your breakthrough. I want to discuss some of that today as we work through this message together. I want to bring your attention to uh, the book of Jeremiah in chapter 17. I'm going to use the New Century version here just because it just, again, one of those translations that jumps off the page for me. It allows the, the Scripture to speak to me. I love to read Scripture but I love to pause when I'm reading Scripture because that's when it speaks, not when I'm reading. When I'm reading, I'm trying to absorb what I've read. People that have dyslexia understand that. You're trying to read, and then you got to reread, and you got to reread, and then you finally get it. But that's been a blessing in disguise for me. In Jeremiah 17, it says, But the person who trusts in the Lord will be blessed. The Lord will show him that he can be trusted. Stop. I love that. He says, if you trust me, you'll find out that I can be trusted. Isn't that good? If you just trust me with a little bit. That's how you build relationships in your life. You learn to trust someone just a little bit. You don't tell them all of your stuff. You just tell them a little bit of your stuff. Because you know if you can trust them with a little bit of your stuff, you might be able to trust them with a little bit more. And if you can't, you move on. Amen? That's the way it happens. The Lord will show him. And in this process, he he goes on to say, He will be strong like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots by the stream. It is not afraid when the days are hot. Its leaves are always green. It does not worry in the year when no rain comes. It always produces fruit. If you look at this, and I've highlighted it for you, isn't it a wonderful thing that God tells you if you trust him, If we just trust what the Lord says, notice what happens in your life. You will be blessed, you will be strong, you will not be afraid, you will not worry, and you will produce fruit. Give me an amen. Amen. Isn't that good news? Man, we could say amen and go home and have lunch early today. (laughs) He didn't get the memo either, did he? All right, you can leave. No, I'm just kidding. But we're not leaving yet because i got some things to say. So for those wise out there, but also say maybe to a reminder to the rest of us out there that are working in that. And we want, we want to hear God's message. We want to hear from God today. And I pray that that's what you've come to church for today is to worship and praise Him, but also to receive from God a message. And I pray that it speaks volumes today. Listen closely to the Spirit as He speaks to your spirit. Number one, I would say God's solutions are often strange And yet simple, we might call even elementary. They really are. They really are. You have to be alert, though. Some people are looking for a lottery when God is in everyday circumstances. He's out there every day. He's in every every moment of your life. And yet some people are looking for the big thing, the, the biggest of all. Oh, I want that. Well, God has already given you the biggest thing of all. Once you trust Him and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive something from Him. It's a thing called salvation. So He sets the biggest thing aside and says, Here, this is yours. Now live like it's been given to you. Wow, our God is so good. All other religions say this, You work hard and you might get this. God says, This is yours. Now live like it. That's what Mike and Jeff has been teaching in the book of Romans. Paul was trying to get that across to the church. For those that were trying and struggling with the do, 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 instead of it's done, it's done, it's done, it's done. Big difference. 
I would simply say it this way, don't make God more complicated than He is. Boy, oh boy, can we complicate God, can't we? Now, keep in mind, yes, it is true that His ways and our ways are light years apart according to Isaiah 55. Just the one scripture alone says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so our ways are high, His ways are higher than ours. Of course, He is God. But yet, but yet, there's the verse, can you see it there, Psalms, Psalms 46, or in this, be still. You, you know how I picture that verse there? It's kind of like when, when you're dealing with a child or someone in your family or a loved one or, or someone that's broken down and they're just almost weeping or they're so overwhelmed by what's going on in their life, they can't contain it. And what do you do as a parent? What do you do as a good, close friend? Shh, 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 honey, no, 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 honey. Just like the baby, just calm, just calm down. Shh, shh. No, 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 no. Psalms 46 says, or Jeremiah 29, I should simply stay there. I think I've got those twisted. Maybe not. But nonetheless, I hope you get the picture there. And it talks to us about that what? He's, he's telling us, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And yet he's light years away. But yet he's so close. I find that interesting. Remember last week when we said, God will give you the desires of your heart. Man, when I say that and when I read that verse and you read that verse, you know how some people read it? Man, that is my Christmas list come true. I can get whatever I desire from God. Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm going to just make me a list, going to make me a list, going to make me a list. And remember I said on your list, is there anything in there that God wants for your life? You see, it's easy for us to say we desire something. And God will give you the desires of your heart if God is first in your life, he says. Because I will have no other gods before me, he says. We should always desire what it is that God has for us. When, we, when, when our heart is right with God and we desire what his desires are, then the blessing comes, not until. You cannot go around God and receive the blessings that he has for you. People try it all the time. I mean, I love God, but, and I know I need to go the long route, but, but I don't want to somehow go that way. I want to go this way because I know that I can get the blessing over here, or at least I think I can. How many have tried to receive the blessing without going through Christ, and you fell flat on your face besides me? The rest of you will learn a powerful message someday because it's not obtainable. You see, too often we, we spend all of our time chasing things instead of chasing God. And then we wonder why our life is a mess or why we say why so often. And it's true, is it not? All the while, we can't find the satisfaction, the contentment, and the joy that we say that we want. And all the while, Christ is saying, the Spirit is saying, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. I'm right here in you. I'm here for you in that process. I have known people that have put more time in chasing other women than they ever did spending with their wife, and then they wonder why in the world their marriage is a mess. That's truth. In James chapter 4, verse number 8, it says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. 
How powerful is that one verse? A good preacher could preach on that all week. But did you notice something in it? I hope you do when you read God's Word. Notice the calling is for you, not for Him. God doesn't have to have a calling. God's listening for you to call out to Him. Who moves in the relationship? We do. You do. You're the one that moves in the relationship, are you not? You see, God is fixed. And someone's about to shout, no, 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 God is not fixed. God is fixed, and yet He is omnipresent. How does that happen? He's God. You see, the God that's in you is the same God that's in somebody in Chicago or in New York or California or India. All those that have put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, that have given their life to Jesus Christ, have experienced the new birth, they have received the gift of the Holy Spirit in them. They have God in them. He is present. He is fixed in them. But He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. How can that possibly be? That's how big our God is. He can be fixed, but also omnipresent at the same time. Give me a amen. That's good news, my friend. When you get to where it is that you think you need to be, God is saying, why did it take you so long? What took you so long? The blessing was there yesterday that you wanted, but you missed it for a reason. I wonder how often we put off the blessings that God has for us. I know I put way too many of them off. Not because God didn't want to get it to me, but because I tried to go around it or I tried to do it my way. Anybody but me. It reminds me of the story, the young man that graduated from high school. His father told him, I'm going to get you a brand new car when you graduate from high school. Who would like to have that? You guys like to have that? Woohoo! All right, there you go. Parents, get out the checkbook. So he said, I'm going to get you a new car when you graduate. And so he graduated, and his, his dad, or he came to his dad, and he says, where's my new car? He said, here's your Bible. He said, read the Bible. What do you mean, read the Bible? I wanted a new car. He said, just read the Bible, son, just read the Bible. The son became very irritated with his father and felt like his father lied and cheated him out of something. And so he went off to college, and he gets to college, and he calls home. After a little while, maybe a few months or a couple semesters, even maybe the first couple of years, and simply said, Dad, where's my car? I need my car. He said, Son, where, have you read your Bible? Well, no, Dad, I haven't had time. I'm really studying. I'm trying to get this degree and all those things. You know, got a lot of things going on. I just haven't read the Bible. Well, where's my car? I need the car. He walked everywhere he went or caught the bus or caught a ride from somebody. He didn't have no car. When he graduated from college, he was very, very upset with his father still. He, he finally addressed it to his father face to face as they were cleaning out his dorm room. He said, Dad, you lied to me. He said, you told me you were going to get me a car when I graduated from high school. And here I am. I've graduated from college and I still don't have a car. He said, son, did you read the Bible? He said, no, Dad, right there it is. And I don't plan on reading the Bible. He said, give me the Bible, son. He opened the front cover. And there in the front cover was taped a title to a brand new car was his all the time the father had it parked in the garage it was his but he never received it from the father what is it that God wants you to have today that you're not receiving because you're not willing to accept what God says think about it 
God wants you to know him. He already knows you. We sing the song, Jesus knows all about my struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. He knows all about your struggles. What he wants you to know is all about his grace, his peace, his joy, his healing, his eternal life for your life. That's what he wants. The more complicated you make God, the more distance you put between you and God. There is no doubt. When in marriages, when you make your marriage complicated, you put more distance between you. Instead of looking for the good, you're always looking for the bad. She burnt the toast. You don't make Kellogg's cornflakes like my mom used to. You can come up with all kinds of excuses that pulls you apart. What pulled you together to say, I do? Think about it. Oh, he's above all, but God doesn't want to be known as complicated. If you make God, listen to me, if you make God complicated, you will always make his son more complicated. We often try to describe God as we would a calculus problem. And when we somehow think we're finished, most are left like me saying, huh, you talking to me? Doesn't make sense. Oh, it's true that God is much more than you can imagine, but He is much closer than you can imagine. Praise God. God will make His path known to you, but if you are not open, you will miss that path. We're going to talk about that this coming year, but I just had to throw it out there because I was just itching to do so. You remember last week I, I used the word, the word on this passage as well. This isn't the passage I used, but it's another one because they just kept jumping off the page to me. And here it was in Psalms 37 again. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in Him. Now, I love that passage. But you once again have to go back to what we talked about briefly real quick last week. Delight. What does delight mean? If, if you want these firm steps, if you want this direction, if you want this blessing from God and you say that you do, then you have to delight yourself in Him, he says. That's the key to delight in Him. The word delight simply means to please someone greatly. It's to please someone greatly. Once again, I don't know why, but once again in marriages, marriages work when you delight in each other. Marriages work when you delight in each other. Marriages fail when you do not delight in each other, but you are self-centered. It is called selfishness. So as Christians, who are we to please? First, me, you, God. God. So if we get this thing in order in, in, in the right path, it always works. Watch what happens. Who are we to please? We are to please God. How do you please God greatly? You please Him with your lips and with your obedience, but in that, uh, with your praise and with your obedience, what happens to begin, begins to happen is your desire of your heart changes from a Christmas list to a heart God list. And then God says, now watch the blessing come. When that takes place, your steps are in the right direction, He tells you. Either that word's true or it's not true. And it's all true, my friend. Cover to cover, book to book, as they said in class today. You see, some are headed in the wrong direction. Your steps are not firm. And the reason why they're not firm is because you have 
your true desire is something other than God. You have placed something else on the throne. Anything placed on the throne of God is an idol. And God will not play that tune ever. God is a God that shows himself in those to us that are pure in heart. The only way one gets pure in heart is to get close to Jesus, to have a relationship with him. Again, what Jeff and Mike talked about, the relationship with Christ makes us pure in heart. Me and myself, I'm just nothing but filthy rags, Isaiah says. God is not trying to keep himself from you. He's trying to reveal himself to us. That's how good our God is. He doesn't want to be at a distance. He wants to be ever so close. If you don't believe that, look at Psalm, or, or, yeah, Psalms 139. One of my favorite passages to go to when I'm feeling like, uh, you know, where are you and all those things. Maybe this one will help you too. Notice what it says. Where can I go from your spirit that you're not there? Where can I flee from your presence that you're not there? If I go to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my depth, uh, bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of dawn, you are there. And if I settle on the far side of the sea, you're there. He is there, he is there, 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 and there. So here's the thing. If God is everywhere, if God is everywhere that you go, then doesn't it make sense to you that He wants a personal relationship with you? Dads, there's, there's something special. You know, mommies get to carry the babies and, you know, birth the babies and all of that stuff. But you know, there's something special about daddies too. And when you have that little boy or little girl tagging along beside of you, oh, it just makes you feel good inside. Daddies, amen? Yesterday I was at Walmart, second favorite place not to go. But anyway, in that... There was this guy walking in. He probably looked like he was maybe in his 30s. And uh, he had his little daughter. And I'm telling you, she didn't look like she was two years old. And she had her galoshes on up to here. And she had the smallest umbrella I've ever seen in my life. And she was just walking behind Daddy, or walking beside Daddy, holding the hand. And there was something special about there. Because daughter wanted to be close to Daddy. And daddy wanted to be close to daughter. God wants to be close to you, my friend. He wants you to be close to him. He wants that for your life. And it's amazing to me how many people miss the obvious. And today you can choose. You can choose to begin to restore that relationship. That's how good our God is to you today. Because see, what you've done is perhaps you've let go of the hand of God and you've just drifted away a little further, a little further. And God says, come on. And it's all by your choice. He's the one calling. Move to God. So once you understand that He wants that relationship with you, hallelujah, I would say, secondly, you need to be ready to receive. Ready. Relationships bring you something. All relationships bring you something. Did you know that? Every single relationship brings you something. It can either bring you heartache and pain or joy and peace. That's the truth. 
And some of you don't have joy and peace that you say that you want because you have the relationship with something other than God. All you've done is push something a little bit too far, higher than God. And God is saying, why don't you just now, just put me back where I belong in your life. So you can change that today if you want to. That's the good news. The good news of the gospel every day is it's good news every day. It's for you. It's for us. Be ready. Seize the moment, we say. In football, we say seize the moment. For all you college football fans out there, Clemson Clemson seized the moment against Alabama last Monday night in the national championship game, and they never let up. They all said, it can't happen, can't be done. Most people said, nah, nah, nah. Now, a lot of people say after the game, yeah, I knew they were going to win. You hear that? Yeah, take credit afterwards. But nonetheless, Alabama is Alabama. But Clemson said, we don't care. We're seizing the moment. And right out of the get-go, you could almost feel it. And coaches will tell you that. Players, will you can sense it. There's the tie. It's turning. It's turning. It's turning. And they seize the moment. That's what God wants for you. He wants you and me to seize the moments that he has for us. And when you least expect it, let me tell you, when you least expect it, that's sometimes when it shows up. Donna had no idea in 1973 that I was, my parents were going to buy a home in a little place called Goochtown, Kentucky. But when she first laid eyes on me, she seized the moment. That's the truth. I'm telling you, it's the truth. And I've been blessed every moment because she sees the moment. You see, if you don't pay attention, God can walk a blessing right past you and you won't even notice it. Right past you. My two best friends, I could have walked right past them. I am thank, and I thank God daily that I stopped and paid attention because, boy, what would I have missed? On a serious note, that's serious too, though. Scripture tells us that He will come one day. Now, here's the part some people don't like to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it because I got eight more minutes. I'm going to take 12. Here we go. Scripture tells us that He will come again one day. Jesus will come again. It will be when you least expect it, actually, Scripture says, Matthew 24. And many people will miss their blessing. Listen closely. Many people will miss their blessing of salvation with Him because they failed to seize the moment when they heard the call in their lifetime. Somebody's here today or somebody's listening to this today and you know you've heard God's prompting you. God's call in your life. And you've ignored it, haven't you? You know it's true. And you've ignored that. Don't ignore it, my friend. Seize the moment. Seize the moment. You see, we have a tendency when we talk about Jesus' return. This is what we have a tendency in doing. We have a tendency in where we have of taking, we've been talking about it now for 2,000 plus years. That's a long time, isn't it? 
Sure it is. And so for 2,000 years, we've been talking about it, but we haven't seen the clouds part and the trumpet blow and Him coming. And so people question it. He's not coming. Certainly not on my watch. He's not coming. Well, in the Old Testament, time. Let's talk about time for just a minute. Let me explain. See if I can do this. I don't know if I can, but I'll try. In the Old Testament, you read of the Israelites. The Israelites were God's chosen people. They put idols on the throne, taking God off. They knew what was right. They knew what God required. But they said, we're not listening. That's called sin. S-I-N. Big sin. We all sin, fall short of the glory of God. We all stump our toe and maybe say something, might look at something, might go, woohoo, look at that. We might do those things, but we haven't put the idol on there. We haven't said, nope, I know what it says. I'm never going to repent because I want to do what I want to do, not what God wants me to do. That's what the Israelites did. And by doing that, God allowed the enemy of God to capture his people for 400 years. Year after year, decade after decade, century after, they were telling what? He's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. That's 400 years is a long time. 400 years is a lot longer than you and I are going to live here on this planet. You know what that is? That's time. You can't get that one back or that one or that one. How long does it take you to change, turn the page from the Old Testament to the New Testament? How long does it take you? A nanosecond. Do you know there's 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament? But not with God. You see, we see time. We are in time. And one day, I tell all people, one day between the tick and the tock, you're no more here. God is in time. Time is not restricted. God is not restricted by time. It never stops for God. So 4,000 years or 400 million years, is that to God? Someday, He's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? That's a simple question that everybody needs to ask. I also believe, and as I kind of bring this to a close and try my best here, I also believe that you discover, surprisingly, God is like that in your daily faith walk with Him. So this is for the faithful, those that are exerting their faith and trying their best. God sees your faithfulness. God sees your giving, time, energy, money. God sees your prayer and your concerns. God sees you're trusting Him. God sees that you're no longer doubting Him. God sees all of those things in your life. I say, keep it up. Because when you're least expecting it, that's when God sometimes shows up and gives the blessing. It's sometimes as though what we're doing is we're setting the stage and God already sees the blessing. We're setting the stage. We don't see, we don't see, but one day it happens. 
1989, I was working for the post office at the time, living in Wichita Falls, Texas. And in that time there, Don and I had decided, I had enough college that if I could go back to college, I was going to go to Abilene Christian University and finish out my degree and, and work on a Bible degree, and it was going to take me about two years. Checked into it, did all the whatever we needed to do. So we drafted a letter. We didn't send the letter. Joyce, you were there. And in that process, all of this was taking place. God was doing something. Of course, God was always doing something. So we drafted this letter and we sent it to, we were going to send it to all of our family members, all of our friends, and anybody that wanted to read the letter. Could you afford to give us $5, $10, $20 a month for 24 months? And we felt by figuring that up, we put all the work to it, man. I mean, we had, if this many people could just do this, and it's not asking too much, because I would be willing to do it if somebody asked me that, perhaps, and, and maybe they will, and it'll be just enough to get us through. And then we're going to set that. And all the while, in the midst of all of this, God had something going on. I was teaching Bible class there. I was teaching uh, uh, the college students, and the class was growing and growing. And one of the ministers left, and they came to me, and they said, we see that you have a love for children and all these things. Would you please take this position? We believe that God wants you here with us in this position. We took a $12,000 pay cut with no insurance with two small children. People said that we were nuts. They told us we were nuts when we first left Kentucky. They said you shouldn't do it. And they told us we were nuts when we took this job. You see, what God was offering to me, to us that, at that time, was an opportunity for things to come. For things to come. Remember Abraham? Go. Where are you sending me? I don't know. I'll get you there. You're not, you don't know. I know. You don't know. I'll get you there. So we took him up on his offer and what he was offering at the time, in the moment. And look what he has blessed me and Donna with now. A church family that has blessed me and us a million times, a million times over. My God is a good, good, good God. Seize the moment. You got to be ready. Got to be ready to receive what he calls you to. Don't resist it because it's easy to be where you want to be, but not necessarily to be where God wants to take you. Don't hesitate. Often the first sign of change in our life, we begin to resist it. This last part of scripture here. There's a guy by the name of Stephen, a good godly man. He was chosen by the disciples and he's teaching the word and doing what he's supposed to be doing. And you can read in Acts chapter 5, 6, 7, uh, I think it's 8 is out. But in that process, read it for yourself. It's a, it's a wonderful story of a man of great faith. And while he's there in Acts chapter 7, just before they stone him to death, but scripture says, if you read it correctly, scripture says he fell asleep while they were stoning him. I don't know about you, but somebody's stoning me. I don't think I'm taking a nap. I know some people say, well, that sleep means death. I like the sleep part. This is what he said to the religious leaders at the time. He said, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. Oh, they were circumcised on the eighth day, Mike. Their hearts and their ears were uncircumcised. You know what that means? They were closed. They were closed. 
They weren't listening. They weren't listening. They weren't listening. And what did he say right after that? You are just like your father's. And then he says something else. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Wow. Resisting, listen to this, because I need another message to carry this one. I won't do that for you today. But resisting the Spirit's movement in your life can cost you greatly. In fact, it can cost you your eternal soul. Many Christians miss out as well. And today you either receive God and what it is that He has for you or you reject Him once again. It is totally left up to you. God loves you so much that He allows you to choose to love Him back. That's what real love is. I can't make you love me, but I can love the socks off of you. And you can't do a thing about it. And God says, I love you so much that I gave my son. And you can choose to say no thanks. Or you can choose to say, my God, what you have done for me, I receive in the name of Jesus. Name above all names. Make me your sanctuary. Whatever your need is today, we ask you to come. Let this spirit move you. If it is, don't quench it. Listen closely. Come as together we stand and sing.